Hey, this is Pastor Matt, and this is the sermon audio from November the 29th, 2020. Uh, title of the sermon, if I had to come up with one, would be God's Doing Something. I uh, hope you enjoy this. If you have any questions, always feel free to contact us at Edgewood Church. You can email me at uh, mattharmels at edgewood-danville.org. And here's your sermon audio. God's doing something. Anybody ever heard that before? Who's ever thought that before? God's doing something. You, you ever think it when something like, like a weird coincidence happens? You know when, when weird coincidences happen? I think I'm on. Can you not hear me? Can you crank me up? Should I just talk louder? <laughs> How's that? Testing. One, two, three. Here we go. I don't know. Mm. Bless us, Lord, in our lack of knowing what we're doing. It's okay. I'll talk loud. We're good. I don't care. <clears throat> God's doing something. I don't know what it is. God's doing something. Is it sound better now or are I just talking louder? Okay, good. God's doing something, man. I don't know what's going on. He's doing something with these speakers. Not just when weird things like that happen. What about when something bad happens? And some of you are like, no, that's the devil. <laughs> no chuckles. I thought there'd be a chuckle on that. <laughs> I know how some of you are. You're like, something bad happens. You're like, oh, man. Just start getting mad and spitting at the devil. How about uh, when something good happens? How about an unexpected blessing? You ever just go, man, God's doing something. I don't know what it is, but he's doing something. Why do I mention this? Well, one, I'm hoping it strikes a chord. I think it does, because I've heard a lot of you say that phrase before. Frankly, when there's weird stuff going on in the public sphere, I think I hear it most often when that's going on. God's doing something. So I'm hoping this will strike a chord with you, feel familiar. Second reason is because we are studying Luke, and I think we're going to see that played out in our story for today. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1. You're going to hear that played out in our story. And In fact, it's going to be mentioned specifically right at the end. It's going to mention God's hand in what was going on. A third reason that I mention this is because maybe you're there. Maybe you're there, maybe you're right in that moment where you're like, God's doing something. I don't know what it is, but he's doing something. Whether that's big, grand scale in the, the stage of the world, or maybe it's more specifically in your own life. Things have happened. This is adjusted or shifted, some life change, job related, relationship related, whatever it might be. And you're sitting there going, God's doing something. I don't know what he's doing. But he's doing something. And maybe you're nervous about it, or maybe you're fearful about it. Maybe it's just a conversation piece for you. That's what a lot of times, that is, that's what exactly what it ends up being, right? Weird stuff is going on, and it's turned, it seems like every single person you talk to, man, did you notice this or the other? Wow, I don't know. And a lot of times you end the conversation, man, God's doing something, though, isn't he? Maybe it's left you with questions. 
Because the something doesn't really answer anything, does it? God's doing something. In fact, so often when we say that, it's because we're like secretly in our heads going, God, I wish you'd tell, what it is, tell us what it is. I'd be a lot less nervous right now, Lord, if you just tell me what you're doing. But then we covered up. We know you're doing something. Well, before we dig in, I need to do a slight review because this is a continuation of a previous story with somebody named Zachariah and Elizabeth. So for those of you that have been here, uh, tell me, what was Zachariah's occupation? Anybody, just say it out. What was it? Priest, right? And in fact, he, he had, and if you were here, you may remember this, he had recently, in fact, nine months before this story, approximately, been at the temple, and something interesting happened while he was there. A couple things. Well, tell me one of those things. This has been here. What was one of the things that happened while he was there at the temple? Met an angel, right? Angel came. Where was he at when he met that angel? Or what was he doing? Maybe you remember that part. Burning incense. So he's in there, burning incense. His angel shows up. It was unique just for him personally. He was a much older man. And there were, uh, I, I mentioned this when we did this sermon the first time, there was about 18,000 priests that were in some element of the service at this time period. And this would have been a once in a lifetime. I used to think that he maybe he did this every year, but for each individual it was chosen by lot. And the scriptures talk about it was chosen by lot. So random choosing. And, and he was the one that got to go in. This is most likely a once in a lifetime event for Zechariah. He was in there. He met an angel. So I'm going to read through this story and uh, just remind you of what was going on, just so you can kind of get a, a bearing for the next part of this story. So I want to read to you Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. I don't have it up there. I just want you to sit back and listen to it and uh, take it in what's going on. Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 5, says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, uh, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man and don't tell her this, but my wife is advanced in years. Okay, I added the phrase in there. And the angel, Gabriel, angel answered him and said, I am Gabriel. I stand 
in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Take special note of that verse. I'm going to read it again. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. Now, after that story happens, we're going to pick up. We're going to shift back and forth. After that story happens, it shifts over to Mary, and she gets a visit from Gabriel. Mary finds out that she is going to be with child as well by the power of the Spirit of God. She's young. She has a relative who is Elizabeth. She goes to see Elizabeth. When she arrives, there's a baby in Elizabeth's womb that jumps for joy at the presence of her Lord. Now it's back to Elizabeth. One of the commentaries I read said this. The guy's name is Philip Reich, and he said, if I can click, there we go. Oh, that, I was supposed to have that up earlier. Oh, well. The opening chapters of Luke are like a duet from an oratio. Am I saying that right? Oratio? Oratorio? Oratorio? Okay. One voice begins to sing, followed by another, and then the two voices harmonize. For a while, the second voice is silent while the first voice sings alone. Then the first voice leaves off and the second carries the music until finally the song ends with a chorus of angels. And if you know the story of Luke, that's precisely what happens. This is I, I love that, that quote because I'm like, man, that's, that's what I'm starting to catch on. We're just in chapter one of Luke. But this is precisely, Luke is just, he, he's starting to amaze me, his, his writing abilities because he's going back and forth from story to story. Here's Elizabeth, and, and back over to Mary, and back over to Elizabeth, and it's just this amazing thing. And there's things that are building that we haven't even gotten to yet that I've run across, and I'm like, well, I'm going to have to save that one for later. But there's, there's elements that are being planted in here, but it is. It's like this amazing, wonderful song of a Savior. And it is. It's going to crescendo here in a minute. Um, after, I guess there's going to be a few more Sundays where we get to these Angels that show up and sing praise. Glory to God in the highest. But now, let's get back into this particular part. We're going to go back to Elizabeth and her story. We left off last time. Mary was there. Mary sang a song, the Magnificat. Now as we turn back over to Elizabeth, and we get to verse 57, and it says this. this is where we're going to be today. Now the time for Elizabeth, the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. It's such a small little verse, but enter yourself into Elizabeth's story. That would have been an awesome day. Would it not? I mean, it's always an awesome day when babies are born, isn't it? I mean, but for Elizabeth, 
In some way, this, this small town, the hills of Judea, this would have been a big event, as you're going to see in just a minute. Big event. I mean, this kind of would have been like a small town with one church, and you had the pastor and his wife. That's kind of the, the feel that it would have been with Zachariah and Elizabeth coming from the small hill country of Judea, little little uh, town, little village that they were part of. And they'd, they'd go. They're, they're kind of the local celebrity. He got to go up to Jerusalem to, to do his service, and he's back, and, and here, here he is, and they find out this older couple, and they're, She's pregnant, and then, then the day is getting closer, and, and then it happens. John is born. Now, Mary's not mentioned, so I think she must have headed back to Nazareth, either just right before this or right after. But God carried John through for those nine months. And I know how some of you ladies are, like when you're carrying that child, it's like, it's, it's nerve-wracking. And I think especially for her to go all those years without being able to give birth. They finally come to that nine months, every month. I don't see any nervousness from hers. I think you're going to see in just a minute. But I think the excitement spread. Back verse 58, it says this, and her neighbors and relatives, not just the relatives, the neighbors and the relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her. They're, they're seeing what it is. They've recognized the Lord's doing something, and he's shown great mercy to her. And they rejoiced with her. So she's rejoicing. They're rejoicing. I picture a, a hoopla. Maybe. And it's attributed to the Lord and His mercy. In some way, already the prophecy of John is starting to become, uh, or come to fulfillment. Because in Luke chapter 1, verse 14, it says, you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at His birth. I think in a grander way that's going to be fulfilled later, but already it's being fulfilled. Many people will rejoice at his birth. The next big day for a young Jewish baby is going to happen about eight days later. The, the moms of boys just all went like this. <laughs> Comes time for circumcision. And that's exactly what happens. And this is a tradition that's been going on for about 2,000 years at that point. Kind of like a baby dedication it's the time for the circumcision. Dedicate this child to God. So verse 59, on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah. So Zechariah is the dad. This is most likely going to be his only child. And so the, everybody's like, you've got to call him Zechariah. got to call him Junior, Zechariah Junior. I mean, take his father's name. But his mother answered, and this is an emphatic no, he shall be called John. Now, I think that she must have communicated in some way, Zachariah and Elizabeth, I don't think this was a miraculous, it could have been, we don't know. But she knows, that's his name, and that's what he's going to be called. I picture Elizabeth at this point, just to help you enter into this story, I picture being, for the most part, a timid lady and and. And, and maybe there's a lot of, okay, so some of you, this is going to strike too strong of a chord. Sometimes the family gets involved, right? All the sisters and the aunts. Like, oh, his Zachariah, that's going to be his name. And I picture Elizabeth was normally like the type, like, oh, that would be fine. That's okay. But not this time. In fact, in my head, when, when I picture this story, I picture her sitting there holding John. Can't take her eyes off of him, Right? And she hears the conversation in the background. Maybe she's already been saying, Hey, John, Johnny. 
The name John means God is merciful. John. I picture maybe catching Zachariah. No, his name? Oh, yeah, well, he's got to be called Zachariah, you know. I picture her just going, nope. His name will be John. Do you picture her doing it that way? That's exactly how it is in my head. I can picture her saying it this way. Nope. The relatives are taken back. Elizabeth. Now, I want to say I believe this is a clear sign that Elizabeth has believed the message. And I have some reasons for that that we're going to get to. I believe that she has believed what the angel has said. This child was not named by her, but named by God. And this angel brought this name. I believe she's believing this message, even if she doesn't have all the details yet. I think there are a lot who are like this, at least some. You don't have all the answers to all the questions, but you're like, what I know, I believe, that's it, period. What God has revealed to me, I know, I believe it. No doubts, no questions about it. We see this played out in Elizabeth as we've explored who she is the last couple of times we've seen her. There's a very quick readiness to say, whatever God says, I'm all in. Some of you are like this. God's doing something. And whatever the situation is, you know it's about the God. There's something bigger. You know God's doing something. This is just one little part that I'm playing, and I'll be obedient. I think there's a lot of examples of this that we could go to. I think it happens when uh, the car breaks down. That's my favorite example, isn't it? I think it's Simone's too. God's doing something, but there, there's come a point where you start to go, I know God's doing something. I, I don't know all what it is, but it's good news. It's connected to what God is doing in my life. Maybe it's a bill that you weren't expecting, broken dishwasher. Or maybe it's an unexpected bonus. And it's not just random. You're like, thank you, Lord. And you recognize it for what it is. And I know many of you in this room are like that. I wonder how the family is going to react, though, to this outburst of Elizabeth. Do you think they're going to be like, oh, okay. They try to reason with her. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. This is not a family name. Elizabeth. So sweet. Sweet little Elizabeth. You can't name him John. I think they're going to appeal to Zachariah at this point. Verse 62. They made signs to his father. Interesting side note. I, I, I don't know how I hadn't picked up on this before, but I'd always pictured Zechariah unable to speak, but still able to hear. But this, after doing a little research, I think he's probably also unable to hear. He's probably deaf and mute. No, just missed it. But there it is. Because the, these people, what do they have to do? They can't just go and tell him. What do they have to do? They have to make signs to him. So they go and play a game of charades with Zechariah, who's not hearing any of this story about the naming and all this. He's probably just sitting over there in the corner. In fact, I think he's probably thinking... I should be hearing something now, Lord. Right? Well, I mean, what did the verse say? I mean, it said, like, he's going to, once these things are fulfilled, you're going to be silent and, and mute until these things are fulfilled. And he's, I'm sure he's probably thinking, in fact, I would be thinking, 
oh man, I was getting my calculations wrong. I was thinking that I would hear now, but maybe I'm not going to hear anything until he's grown and, and a prophet. I'm gonna, this, this gonna, that could be another 20 years. I don't know what he's thinking. Again, I picture him in my imagination. I picture him sitting off to the side, like contemplating. Hmm. So they come over, the family comes over and they're, <laughs> yeah. He finally figures it out. Verse 63. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote. Here we go. And it says literally, John is his name. Not will be. His name is John. And they're all going, what? His name is John. Side note again. I want to share another quote with you. I don't have this one on the screen. I just want you to listen to this one for a moment. This was not a name that Zachariah had chosen, but a name that was given by God to express the child's true identity. As we listen to the names in this story, we begin to sense that God is up to something big. Zechariah, that name means God remembers. Elizabeth means that God is faithful. John means God is merciful. And then there's the sweetest name of all, Jesus, which means God saves. Luke is telling the story of salvation, and these people are part of that story. I love that idea that Luke is building in just with Revealing these names, it's building the story of who Christ will be. But the family's like, what? When they get this tablet, it would have been a, a wooden tablet covered in wax that you could etch in and gave it over to them. His name is John. And immediately, at that moment, his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke. And what does he say? We don't know the words, but it's blessed. In some way, it's unblessed. Praise the Lord. He blesses God. He hasn't spoken a word in nine months and eight days, if not more. I think the timing again is significant because let's go back. Luke one twenty. Behold, you will be silent and able, unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe. So there's a connection with is belief. That's why that happened. Because you do not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. This is what the angel had said. Now, it's not till this moment that his father says, his name is John. Loosed. He regains his voice. Now, I wonder if some of you are like this. Zechariah was slow in believing. Slow in accepting. Can I give you a personal example? I'm going to give you a personal example. I, I believe that God called me into the ministry when I was about the age of 20. I spent the next 17 years trying to convince God that that probably wasn't the case. 
okay? Literally. I mean, it played out in my life in a lot of different ways. Like, for example, uh, yeah. in fact, I was trying to do, figure out the math there. In fact, my, my parents may remember when, I, when it happened. I, I, I went forward in this service, and Pastor Jacobs was the pastor of Edgewood at the time, and I told him I believe God had called me into the ministry. And, the, and you guys weren't in there or something. I don't remember. What, I don't know if you're in the nursery or something. Do you remember this? Sort of. She's like, I don't. I don't. She's like, um, and uh, I'm pretty sure they thought I was had done something stupid and got in trouble. Is probably what happened. But the pastor went, hey, could you come in? And they're like, oh no, what's he done? You know. And and they come in. Tell them, the next 17 years of my life, switching majors. Pastoral? No, shouldn't do that. You can't do that. No way. It's interesting. I. I sensed an element of myself in Zachariah's story because it wasn't until I said in this sanctuary, Lord, I'll do what you want. And I told the church, I said, I'll fill pulpit until we get a pastor. And then one of the deacons said, I think we found the guy. But it wasn't until the moment, there was something about finally just saying, okay, and saying it. I think, I don't want to stretch, but I think that is sort of like what happened to Zechariah. Of course, he didn't say it. What did he have to do? I, I wonder if for a long time it had been like, but really? I mean, God, I know you said it, and like God has revealed that he's, he's got, God's doing something, but my kid is going to be the prophet before the Savior comes? That, that's and besides the reality that we're old or we're, you know, advanced, my wife and I were advanced in years and the whole, I mean, but even then through all that, but there was something unique, I think. For some of you, I think the same thing has happened or could happen. For you, maybe it was that first time you were out and about, friends at work, relatives, You've been wanting to tell them about Jesus. And you kept talking yourself out of it. And maybe the real issue was, who am I? How is it possible? Like, I can't be the one to bring Jesus to these. That I'm just, that first time you finally just said it. I tell you about Jesus. For some of you, I know this for a fact, for some of you, it was multiple times at home, and finally that one day where you said with your family, we're going to church. Because that's where God wants us. You got up. You did it. There was something about saying it. For some of you, and I like the vocal element that plays a role in this. For some of you, it was saying out loud, I'm done with this. I believe God can save me from this. Whether it was an addiction or a, a sinful behavior that you've been fighting and fighting a, a stronghold in your life, and you finally just came to that point where you're like, I'm done with it. And in some way, I think you were like Zachariah, where you, you'd heard it, you knew. But finally, the point came and you were pressed, and Zachariah was pressed, and he said, His name is John. God looses 
is done. He praises the Lord. And I wouldn't be surprised if there could be some of you right at that part. Like Zechariah, you feel it. Like a guy who's had his mouth shut and his ears shut. Restrained. And you know God's calling you to do something. You don't have all the questions answered, but you're ready and willing and you're thinking about it. There's going to come a day where I hope, like Zachariah, you go, when God's, he's doing something and I'm all in. But now, there's a lot of others in this story and we're going to see in these last couple of verses uh, four overlapping reactions to the populace that are experiencing this story secondhand. Zechariah has his tongue loosed. And it says this next. And fear came on all their neighbors. Fear, reverent respect and awe. There's a reverent pause. This is big. This is that moment when you something happens and you go, you take a step, okay, whoa, wait. That step back. What's God doing? And all these things were talked about throughout the hill country of Judea. Some people, it's, it turns into this conversation, discussion. Everybody's talking about it. God's doing something. God's doing something. For many of these people, they weren't in on the, the key elements of this story. And so part of it is just a lack of having it revealed at this point. They hadn't been there for the conversation with the angel. I'm guessing they hadn't been there through all of those things, and it hadn't been revealed to them, all the elements of the story. And so for them, it's like, I wonder what's happening. This is clearly something. Some, many, in fact, all who heard these things, laid them up in their hearts. There's this contemplation. Chewing on it. It's going, hmm, hmm, hmm. Hmm. What does this mean? In fact, it turns into that question, that questioning. What then will this child be? What is God doing? And here we have this acknowledgement for the reason why all these things are going on is because the hand of the Lord, even before he was born, the hand of the Lord was with him. With John. Now, for these outsiders meandering through, questioning what's going on, trying to figure it out, pondering it, reverent awe. I'm going to tell you right now, not a single one of you in this room has to be an outsider today. The angels come. We have the story. Now I know, I know that God usually does not reveal himself with angels coming to you. That, that could happen. But the majority of the times that God reveals himself, what he is doing in your life specifically, does not come through something like that. But it usually, in the scriptures themselves, comes through others telling those stories. And that's literally what's happening today. 
an angel came and spoke to Zechariah. The majority of times in the Scriptures, people that come to Christ and come to an understanding of the truth and begin to understand what God is doing, they come to that from hearing the stories being told and preached and taught and shared. You do not have to sit on the outside pondering, what then will this child be? You know what he's going to be. He's the forerunner of the Savior. In fact, we know that the Savior has come. You're hearing it all now, the truth of Jesus Christ. He is the Savior of the world. Now, some of you might be like Elizabeth. There's a whole lot of things you don't know yet, but you're quick to jump in and say, it's God. He's doing it. He said, I, it's John. So it's John. That's what we're doing. I know for a fact, because this is a small church, I can look around. Some of you in this room, I know that's exactly how you are. And God points you in a direction, you're like, I'm all in. Some of you I know may be more like Zechariah. In fact, the reality is you may be sitting here today and you may have been meandering on the edges of believing what God has for you specifically and your role in his story. The good news that the angel shared was the good news of the gospel. And for some of you, you're sitting there going, yeah, but and you're wanting to, like this whole Christianity thing, like you're, you're fine, like on the outskirts of it. You're kind of being a, you know, observer. Or maybe you're a fan. Go church team. Somewhere inside, you know that God's saying, I got something for you. And one of these days, you're going to have to just say it. Okay, God, I, whatever you want. I'm all in. Whatever it may be, whatever God's doing in your life, I pray, and I'm going to close with this thought. I'm going to pray today that whatever it is that God is doing, that you will recognize it for God and know the deeper truth. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Every good blessing you've ever received in your life, you can acknowledge God for it. He's using it in your life for good. We know that God is working all things together for good. You don't have to be in the dark wondering what is going on. God is working for good and for your good to make you more like Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do thank you, God, for this day. And I just want to pray now that each person in this room, Lord, whatever you're doing in their lives, I've got to pray that you would help them to see that the truth has been revealed. You are God. You are good. You are working for good. You are saving us from our sin. You have saved us. You have sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth because of your great love for us. Christ died on the cross for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried and raised again according to the Scriptures. We've heard these truths. Know them to be true. Lord, what are you doing? 
Whatever it is, Lord, we want to be in on it. Open our eyes and help us to see. In Christ's name, amen.